Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. special episode of Not For Nothing. I'm doing something really different today. I'm doing something I've never done before. I am turning the entire show over to someone else. Today, your host is none other than the one and only Ethan Howard Ham. That's right, it's me. And I am here because this is as you said, a very special episode of Not For Nothing, just like a very special episode of all of your favorite 80s television programs. <laughs> Tell is, us why it's a special episode. It's special because it is Kyle Leon Henderson's birthday. Woo! Yay! It's the birthday episode. And he is as old as he happens to feel. <laughs> I know this may come as a shock to everyone, but I don't actually like making things about me. And it is my birthday, so I thought, well, the only way that I can make this about me is if I just make someone else host it, so. And luckily, in this time of COVID-19, there is someone else here with you (laughs) 24-7. I have a host. (laughs) And then Benny said he couldn't do it, so I asked Bo, and he said he couldn't do it, so I picked you. Let's be clear. (laughs) Bo said he couldn't do it. Benny said he did not care to do it. I don't care. I do not care. What you got planned for us today, host? Well, the first thing we're going to talk about... So I was thinking about what should I, as the host, do for you as the guest? We're switching the roles here. Mm -hmm. Um, And any good interviewer knows that you ask the kind of questions that get your subject to keep talking. Um, (laughs) Well, now that I don't have a a problem with. (laughs) One time. I'll make this about me for two seconds. Okay. at my best well, friend... it's your show. It's your hour. It's my show. what you want. <laughs> at my best friend Mandy's wedding, at the reception afterward, uh, one of their friends asked me if sheet masks were worth it. And I proceeded to talk for maybe 10 minutes about sheet masks. And he was like... <laughs> and he that. does that. He's like a journalist of some kind. He works for NPR. And he goes, <laughs> wow, you'd be the best interview subject. And I laughed and I was like, why? And he said, because I asked you one question and you haven't stopped talking about it. <laughs> So, I have more than one question, but okay. if we only get through one, there you go. So, at first, I thought we could take this moment mm-hmm. to um, tell a little bit more about you to the listeners. Because, okay. um, since this is your show, but you're the host, so you don't really get a whole lot of opportunities to talk about yourself. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, the listeners know a little bit about where you come from, like you come from a small town in Alabama called Bug Tussle. And um, you live in L.A. now. You've been in New York before. You're an improv entertainer. That kind of thing. They mm-hmm. know sort of... They know, the, my, they know my rap sheet. The bones. Exactly. <laughs> but I thought it would be cool if they got to know some finer details about you. Well, you would be the expert. So let's dive into some things. Let's do. Um, first of all, something that I think you haven't touched on um, on the show yet is that you, at, a time, at one time, traveled across Europe. That is true. Um, I, uh, I'd never been on an airplane. Um, How old were you? I was 18. I, I, it was my freshman year in college and the college was going, where the college was planning a trip to go to Europe. And I don't know, like I always told people that, you know, where we're from in Alabama, in rural Alabama, where there is nothing like Walmart was on a 30 minute drive from my house so everybody around where i was from was so excited to turn 16 get a car get an old clunker and drive to coleman and then we would go to coleman and we would drive around the strip yep on friday nights meeting Uh, other people from other school county schools i remember in college um i was i forget why we went there but we went to the walmart and coleman together one night and these kids really were just driving around in the walmart parking lot Mm -hmm. and you said see that's what we do here well and that's the thing. That came after me. You're four years younger than me. A couple of years after me, they started parking at the brand new Walmart Supercenter. 
the Super Center was only a couple of years old when we did that. Um, but yeah, we would go up and down the strip. North Ho- North Coleman to, I was about to say North Hollywood. North Coleman to South Coleman, back down to North Coleman, back to South Coleman. It was a whole thing. Oh, I but see. anyway, that was the whole, like, that was what you looked forward to when you were where I grew up. What I looked forward to was being 18. Like, I could not wait to be 18 because <laughs> here's the nerd in me. Two things. I couldn't wait to vote. Because I grew up in a political family. I was like, I cannot wait that I can till I can vote. Till I can cast my civic duty. Right. I I was dying. I to this day, to this day, I wish I could do my civic duty of being on a jury, and I still have not. It pisses me off. I could get I could get on a soapbox. That's that. shocking to me because I've been asked three times. You were you were selected for the grand jury of a murder trial. Yep, a gang-related murder trial. A gang-related murder trial in New York City, and the only reason you couldn't do it is because, I don't know, you had to work or something. They were like, oh, no, no, that's what it was. They said, if you have, if you're feeling like some type of way about being on a murder trial, please let us know. And you're like, I do not want to send a man to life in prison. Well, it was that, and it was also, I mean, the judge straight up said, if you cannot feasibly give up three or more months of your life to this, oh, yeah, yeah. then please let us know. And I said, no, thank you. Right, because this is murder. Anyway, so the, the that was the civic duties was why I was excited to be 18. But also, I just, I, I, I used to grow up watching television and I would see all these shows and all these people doing all these wonderful things. And I just knew, growing up in Bug Tussle, there was a great big world out there and I, I wanted to see it. Like, I really, really wanted to see what was out there. And so when my college, the the community college that I went to, Wallace State, well, actually, George C. Wallace State Community College, um, named after the world's most famous races. Yay! Uh, they were booking a trip to Europe, and I did. I went, got on my first airplane at 18 and flew to Paris, and then spent some time in Paris, and then... We took an overnight train from Paris to Barcelona, Spain, and then spent some time in Spain. So, my very first flight to anywhere, my very first anything to see the world other than, like, Disneyland or Washington, D.C. or the beaches was Europe. Western Europe. Anytime somebody goes to Paris, they will tell you that it's their favorite city now in the whole world. Oh, yeah. Still to this day, it's my favorite city. Oh, yeah. Like... I love that so much, and that and it really gave me a space to describe New York City for myself. Once we left New York City, I said, "I love New York. I'm so proud that I've lived there for five years, and I'm so proud that I was there with you." But I don't want to live there. It's just like Paris. Paris is my favorite city, and I cannot wait to take you. But I don't want to live there. It's too. It's too. It's a. It's a life choice that I'm no longer willing to make. I did right. want to live in Paris. Um, it was my trip to Paris that made me move to Los Angeles for the first time. I was so, I had that homesick feeling for Paris. Like, I had gotten just a taste of what it was like to not live in Bug Tussle, and I couldn't wait to do it again. Well, you just segued into the next topic I was going to take us on. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you've talked about this either before on the show, the fact that this is not your first rodeo in L.A. <laughs> it's not. Um, that does really, it, it's... It, it, the, the Paris trip, and well, I, I say Paris because Barcelona was beautiful, and I just read a book uh, about the city of Barcelona. Um, well, actually, I say I just read a book. I actually read it the last few months we were living in New York, so I didn't just read it, but I did read it. But I love Barcelona a lot, but it was just something about Paris that touched me. And so being in, on that trip um, led me to come home. It was, I came home in April of 2006, 2006, and January of 2007, I moved to Los Angeles. Because I just, that, from April of 2006 to January of 2007, I was kind of miserable the whole time. Because I was in this world that I knew, and just like, I knew it. It was the world I grew up in. And I was, I, I've realized since that I'm a conqueror. I have to conquer something. You've seen it. You've been with me for 10 years. Yes. I I do a job and I'm like, I've done the, I've beat the hell out of this job. I know everything there is to do about this job. I don't need to do it anymore. I'm ready to move on to something else. So I, but as I've gotten older, I've been able to really channel that need for conquering something into projects and into endeavors and obsessions, which we have talked about on this show. Um, 
but yeah, I I left Paris, came home, was miserable for six months, and I just picked up and left fifteen hundred dollars in my pocket and came to Los Angeles. Now that being said, I we I do have a cousin who lives here, Josh Parker. Hello, shout out to Joshua Charles Joshua Charles Parker. Um, the fabulous I, Joshua Charles. Oh yeah, he's a he's a fabulous photographer, dancer, actor, person extraordinaire. You may know. A Josh Parker of the Pandora commercial fame. He's the face of Pandora last year. Um, or um, the dancing bear man uh, for the Pandora commercials. Which is what I just said. <laughs> oh. I heard something super different. <laughs> I don't know what just happened in my brain. Okay, anyway... So yes, I um, I moved here and moved in with him. Um, but what's crazy is we did not live well together. He was in his early 20s and I was 19. I was 19 years old, $1,500 in my pocket, came here, got a job at Warner Brothers. Like, this is the naivete of a child. No, 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 no. This is the sheer luck of a child. Right. I moved here with $1,500 in my pocket. My cousin's like, I work at Warner Brothers. Let me take you over to the... Ca- to the Casting. Not casting. <laughs> not casting. Um, Hello, Hollywood. Like, give me a job. But like the, the office... Where you, yeah, the hiring office. Signed up. They call me. And here I am working a toll booth at the tours department. And like... I somehow get in, like, it's crazy. It's the craziest thing. And, like, I'm seeing all these stars, like Dawson from Dawson's Creek came in. Uh, James Vanderbeek came through the toll booth. And I'm like, hello, welcome to the toll booth. And I'm trying to, and I don't give a damn. Do not give a damn. I am hobnobbing with these stars in this toll booth, in my uniform, just, like, chit-chatting it up. Some of them were nice. Some of them were not, you know. And it's just luck, luck of the draw that, I got that job. Well, then I got it in my head that I needed health insurance. It was a whole thing. It was a different time back then. So I quit working at Warner Brothers, went to work at Bank of America, was a teller at a bank. God, I have been robbed, held up at gunpoint at 20 years old at a bank. It's, and then just not, not even care. Like, didn't even phase me. <laughs> and then. You're like, this is how it goes here in LA. And then I started working at Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios while doing that. And then after Halloween Horror Nights is over, I quit and went and I was, I was recruited at the bank for, by this lady who sadly just passed away, um, March 31st, Rebecca Holland, let light perpetual shine upon her. Um, she was sort of a bitch of all bitches and came in and I just like let her be a bitch to me and just like let her like be mad and then I, she was just like you handled that like a pro she goes you're the only person I'll handle I'll deal with at this bank so every time she would come in and ask for me and then she's like I just got a new job I'm running this uh, high end restaurant on La Cienega do you want to come be my maitre d 20 years old I got a job at Beverly in Beverly Hills being a, a major D. Front of house. Front of house. house. Just like the face of this. And this little like, hey, y'all, welcome. Hey, y'all, welcome. And like another story for another time. I don't, because it is a story that's worth telling. And so maybe we'll tell it sometime on the show. But like my favorite moment was when I became friends with Kristen Chenoweth um, <laughs> at this restaurant for a brief moment. But yeah, just like adventure of a lifetime. And then I came home for Christmas. One year I was in Los Angeles, came home for Christmas. My sister had just had a baby in, um, in July and I came home and the baby did not have an attachment to me. And I was 20 years old. I had just like a rock, like a bottle rocket shot off to Los Angeles, did my thing in Los Angeles and then came home for Christmas. And I was like, I'm moving home. And I moved home to Alabama after a year and finished college. And thank God I did because I met Sarah Cooper, friend of the show. I met you, the love of my life. I've, you know, so much happened back in Alabama that I have the retrospective 2020 vision to know. So, yeah. And then I, I went to UAB and got my, my history degree. I finished, I went back to Wallace, finished my theater degree, went to UAB, got my history degree, and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Well, now that we've discussed your your jet-setting ways... Pew, pew, pew. ...and your first stint here in L.A., let's take you back to Bug Tussle for just a moment. Oh, geez. 
Is it or is it not true that your grandfather named the town? It's up for debate. And I'll say this, all right? I will say this here because, you know, once you put it, because you can tell any story over cocktails, but once you put it down on the record, you have to kind of know a little bit. So the rumor has it that my grandfather, um, when he owned the general store uh, down at, which is now the Bug Tussle Mini Mart, I think is what it's called. I don't know. Anyway, when he owned the general store down there, um, or one near there, I think mom, mom can dispute that, that it was not where it is now, but it's somewhere else. But anyway, they had, there was, you know, old men go and sit at the store and they chat. They just chat with each other, you know, like old men do. They, they go to Jack's. People, for y'all in the South, they go oh, yes. sit at Jack's in the morning. At 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> I'm sure they, um, I'm sure all over America and all over the world, people do that. They'll go to McDonald's, they'll go to the local diner, they'll go whatever, and the old men will just sit and drink coffee at the ass crack of dawn talking about everything. And talk to whoever happens Whomever. to walk in the Whomever, and they know everybody that comes in their vicinity. So that's what would happen at my grandfather's store, and... They poured a slab where the men would sit. Sit. They poured a slab of cement, and cement, cement, as they call it down in the south. Um, and the bugs, just little, you know, June bugs or whatever, water bugs, whatever's out there, would wander out onto the cement. But as the day would get hot, the cement would heat up, and the bugs would start bumping into one another and they the men would say well they look like they're a tussling so that became the nickname we'll go sit down at the bug tussle later on there was an i get i i think that's the way it goes the the other store that is built there now was called bug tussle the bug like that was just the nickname we'll go sit down at the bug tussle they built another store after my grandfather sold it off whatever wasn't running a store down there anymore. They called the store the Bug Tussle. And actually, I don't, I'm not sure which came first, the Mini Mart or the Steakhouse, but there was a world famous Bug Tussle Steakhouse. Um, I guess, I don't know, whichever one came first, but it was, it was just the Steakhouse called Bug Tussle, which was famous because they had huge steaks. And I think there was a whole thing, if you could finish the whole steak, you can have it for free, whatever. You know how they do. But like, People like I know Ronald Reagan had come to the steakhouse at one point. I know that the cat because um, Jim Neighbors uh, is from Alabama, and so is George Lindsay. I think it might have been George Lindsay because he's just right over the river. He was from right over the river in Cordova. Right. It's either Cordova or Dora. I can't remember which I one. I think he's from Dora. Dora. I know it's one of the two, but it's in Walker County, just over the over the Warrior River. From the Bug Tussle Steakhouse. So he would, I know that he at one point had brought the cast of the Andy Griffith show to the Bug Tussle Steakhouse. So people are coming from miles around, you know. This is pretty famous. And, um, yeah, so people would say, I'm going to go to Bug Tussle. We're going to Bug Tussle tonight. So they were meaning they're going to the steakhouse, but they, it kind of just became colloquially the area. And Bug Tussle to the today is still an unincorporated rural community. There is it's not an actual town with a mayor and with a city council or any of that stuff. It is just a bunch of people living out in the middle of nowhere, but that particular uh area is known as Bug Tussle to this day. And to the best of my knowledge, it was from that one slab of cement that was at my grandfather's general store. You heard it here first, folks. What are you going to do? Update, George Lindsay is from Fairfield. Well, okay, so flip that. Where's Jim Neighbors from? Because I know they're both from Alabama. Jim Neighbors is from Silicaga. Well, then I have no idea. <laughs> but I do know that they brought the cast of the Andy Griffith Show there. One right. of the men. I don't know which one. They were cousins on the show. Goober and Gomer. Well, why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll pepper you with a few more questions. We'll ask you about your one true love, which is television, and um, get a little bit deep with you, and then we'll finish up with a little game.
Welcome back to this, a very special episode of Not For Nothing. I am your host for the day, Ethan Hamm. Joining me is your usual host, now guest, Kyle Henderson. Hello, it's me, the birthday boy. So let's get into some more sort of specific questions about you and your loves and um, how you're feeling about Oh yeah, because they, they, this, this show, my, my friends here on, that listen to this show, they know that I have lots of obsessions. So. Oh, yes. But perhaps the biggest obsession of all is television in general. Yeah. Followed closely by maybe Disney? Disney, it's funny because my my love and obsession and infatuation and really, I mean, if I, it gets kind of deep with television. Like my intimate friendship, I like to think of it as, with television has never changed. Like it has been constant my whole life. And Disney... Disney has come in and out of my life. Not really come in and out of my life, but it has changed its space in my life from time to time. Because, like, when I lived in California before, I had a premium annual pass. I would drive down on my off day sometimes and take my book. And it's funny because you're actually in the middle of Auntie Mame uh, by Patrick Dennis right now in the quarantine stuff. And I remember distinctly... Um, that Auntie Mame was the book I was reading when I was working at uh, the Spanish Kitchen. Um, authentic, it was called the Spanish Kitchen Authentic Mexican, which was a Beverly Hills restaurant. And I was reading that at the time. And I just remember sometimes like late at night, I'd be reading it at my host desk or whatever. But I also distinctly remember taking it down to Disneyland and reading it by the Partners Hub in front of the castle. And then I would I remember driving down there, read read two chapters of my book, went and got on Space Mountain, then went home. And I remember there was a lady who was there who um, sat down beside me for a moment. She goes, you've got time to read at Disney? And I just, cocky as a possum, was like, I got a premium annual pass. I got all the time I need at Disneyland. What luxury. So in answer to your question, yes. Di- uh, Disney is very important to me, but television is, is sort of, you know, part of me. Well, do you remember, when was that first moment that you can recall that it became a part of you? Like, what was the first TV show that you remember watching? Well, and you know, that's a funny question, when it became a part of me, because I don't remember when it became a part of me, because I don't remember a time that I just... It's just, I mean, and I don't want to even remotely sound like I'm disparaging my family on this point because I don't believe that television is bad. You know, people say, ooh, that was a family raised on television, whatever, like as if it's a bad thing. My family, television was very important to my family. It was, it was our window to the world in a lot of ways. And my grandmother, she, um, she used to keep me every day babysit me. My mother was a teacher. My grandmother lived across the street. Um, and every morning I remember we would go over and never, and my mom and my aunt, who is my dad's sister and my grandmother, who's my dad's mother would sit around the kitchen table and drink coffee. And then mom and Megan, my sister would go off to school. And my aunt who happened to be a substitute teacher and was the most popular substitute teacher in my little country school. So she was always working, you know, all the teachers called Miss Pearl first. Um, so they would all go off to school and me and Granny would just stay there all day until I was five and went to kindergarten myself. Um, but I do remember my very first memory in life was, like, I would watch cartoons, morning cartoons or whatever for two hours. Then at 10 o'clock, I would go down for a nap. And I remember waking up at noon for my nap and <laughs> it, it, it's not nothing, no shade to my grandmother, but it was the only moment in her day where there was not... Uh, one of her stories, as she called it, on hmm. TV, her daytime soap operas, was 12 to 12.30. So she would turn on I Love Lucy and I would eat lunch. But my very first memory in life was watching I Love Lucy with my grandmother. So that's really where it started. And I mean, and I, I did grow up in a family where you didn't really talk about your problems a whole lot. And the problem... was just Southern. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, it's Southern because I grew up where... I never felt like I had a lot of friends. Looking back, I was friends with everybody, but friends with nobody. Right. In a lot of ways. And I, and I know the people who get it, get it. 
you're just, you're not so much a loser that you just have no friends, but you're not in the cool crowd. Um, I was either the least popular of the popular kids or the most popular of the real big non-popular kids. You know, I was, and I, and that led me to being friends with everybody, but I never got super intimate with everybody, anybody really till later, till much later in high school, I had a few intimate friends, but yeah, there was some lonely, lonely times in my life that, you know, it would be emotional to talk about it in times past, but that's just what it was. And what I did to feel that loneliness, I remember we had a basement, um, or we still, my parents still have a basement, but I remember, you know, you go and hang out in the basement. It's, you know, it's your getaway. And I would go down there and I would watch all the, I would watch Nick at night and I would watch all these old sitcoms. And when I was young, like nowadays, I think Big Bang Theory is on Nick at Night. Right, yeah. But when I was young, it was I Love Lucy, Bewitched, um, the Andy Griffith show. Even Dick Van Dyke, I think, was on it. I think at one point Mr. Ed was on it. Gilligan's Island, Gilligan's the Island, Brady yeah. Bunch. Um, and then it started moving on into the 70s. You know, it would it grew up. with You grow up with these old shows when you're watching Nick at Night. Because later on, it became... The 70s, Mary Tyler Moore and Taxi and the Three's Company. And then I remember when I was in junior high, it was the 80s shows. It was different strokes. And then it's spinoff, The Facts of Life. And I never really got into like the, the Silver Spoons or Square Pegs or any of those 80s television shows that I think might have been on there. But yeah, I grew up watching these old shows and... You know, they became my friends. And not only that, you know how they say they say people are an old soul. I think I'm a little bit of an old soul. But it's because I knew how to get the slapstick laugh because I watched Lucy do it. And I knew how to be a little bit cosmopolitan in a not-so-cosmopolitan city because I watched Mary Richards do it. And I also watched Rhoda Morgenstern be the most fashionable fashionista in the world. It's not that I don't think I'd learn to do that. I think I've aspired to be Rhoda my entire life and I'm getting pretty damn close, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I learned from these people. They were my teachers. They were my friends. And that was when, that's what made me want to set out and do what it is I do, you know, improv. Create characters, create moments that really resonate with people. Well, I think it's pretty clear that you are a person who knows your television and you're a person who has some uh, very set opinions about television. Um, so what would you say is a show that you love that it doesn't seem like anybody else really loves? A show that I love and it doesn't seem like anybody else really loves. I'm very loyal. That's, that's one thing. I do not abandon a show. I will watch a show till it's dead. We are in the middle of, you and I, we're watching Designing Women right now because I've, in, I've introduced you to a lot of television over the years. And we are in a space right now with Designing Women where we're in season six. And this is a spoiler. If you have not watched Designing Women and you wanted to kind of just skip ahead 15 seconds. Um, or do two 15-second skip-aheads on the podcast app of your choice. Um, season six, they changed the cast because there was some behind-the-scenes drama. And in sitcoms especially, but shows in general, they have this term called jump the shark. And do you know the history of the term jump the shark? I sure do. <laughs> well, to recap, on Happy Days, uh, Fonzie was water skiing. And in the in this particular episode, he went up a water ski ramp and he jumped the shark. Like literally, like literally jumped the shark. He um, and it was just such a far fetched, so far off course storyline for this show that it is now an industry term, an industry standard term. That the show jumped the shark. Um, if a show jumps the shark, I'll still watch it. I have such loyalty to to characters that I get to it. So I think the show, two shows that I watch right now that I, I love dearly, but I think a lot of people would be like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I still watch Survivor and I still watch um, 
the uh, Grey's Anatomy and all the show. I'll, I watch all the shows in the Grey's Anatomy universe too because there's a few of them. Um, but you know what? With that being said, though, they're still good television. They've just gone on for so long that. Oh yeah, people still love all of those shows. Well, I don't know if anybody loves Survivor. I think oh, I think people love Survivor more than people love Grey's Anatomy. Do you think so? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like that whole like anthropological deep dive into the psyche and to the behavior of humans. Survivor still Survivor still has that. It's just not novel anymore because it's in its 40th season. So, yeah, that's that's what I would say. That's the the episode or the show that um I watch that some people are like, "Ugh, whatever." How about the other way around? What would you say is a show that you're just like, "I don't get it," but everybody else is obsessed with it? Mm. I, th- I I don't know because I th- I do I I'm a hard critic, and when I say hard critic, I'm a, I'm a bad critic, because I like everything, but I don't really get the allure. And don't hate me, because I have a I have a deep fond love for network television. Um, I don't get the allure of Stranger Things. I mean, I get it, kinda. I get, I get the specs, but I just, I watch it and I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, you it's and I are, on, you and I are in that together. You know, I heard somebody say, well, my reasoning is not your reasoning. <laughs> well, okay, maybe that's true. <laughs> that's probably true. Like your your reasoning for disliking it's like because it's so '80s. If you want the '80s, just go back to the '80s and watch it. And me, I love, that's, oh, that's another one that people, you might think that I like it and people don't. I love a reconnect. I love a reboot. Give me Fuller House. Give me Will of Grace one more time. The Connors, one of my favorite television shows on television right now. Um, I'm desperately trying to find Mad About You because it's on the Spectrum streaming service. And I'm like, hello, I'm not paying for that. So, um, but yeah, I love it. I love a revisit. That's why the Brady Bunch franchise is one of my favorites, because they just keep coming back. Every few years, they just keep coming back. I love it. Well, we've done a couple of little fluffy questions about mm-hmm. TV. Okay. Got a couple of deeper ones for you. Some Ooh, thinkers. I like that. What was the moment, thinking back, that it hit you that you want to be a person who makes people laugh for a living? Oh, I... I've always knew, I always knew deep down that's where I wanted to go. Like I did when I moved to Los Angeles the first time, I I did have have dreams of being a thespian, you know, of you know, of someone who took their acting career very very seriously. And that was sort of the vehicle that I was driving when I was here that first time. But I knew it's funny because the shows that of what taught you how to do something like I wanted to live a life like Mary Richards. I wanted to I wanted life to be easy for me, like Mary Richards, like oh, the the superficial fluff problems, you know? And I do feel like I'm getting pretty close to Mary Richards like attitude in life and I feel like I'm getting pretty close to like being able to assess the problems of my life in a very methodical way like Mary Richards did. I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't realize, I did not realize that Mary Richards was so important to me until this podcast. Ha <laughs> It's so weird. Um, I did my job. But, and like Lucy was, I wanted to do the comedy like Lucy in I Love Lucy and the slapstick. I wanted the physical humor. I love slapstick comedy. I loved the Three Stooges. I loved everything slapstick. Because physical comedy it was just funny to me. But also, with Lucy, it was smart physical comedy. The Three Stooges, not so much. But you didn't really see that really, really, like, bullseye physical comedy again until the 70s with Jack Tripper. Yeah. With John Ritter on Three's Company. And that was... And coincidentally, um, or maybe not coincidentally, I don't know, John Ritter and Lucy were actually really good friends in the 70s and the 80s. Um... But yeah, I wanted to do comedy like Lucy, but I really wanted to, I knew, I don't know, it was something about watching John Ritter. I was like, I can do this. Maybe it was just because I was older when I kind of, you know, when I say older, I mean like 11 and 12 instead of like five and six that I was 
really discovering, like, I could really make this my life. And that was around the time I started, like, auditioning for plays and really starting to, like, mold myself. And in my head, everybody wanted to be an actor. Everybody mm. wanted to be a, be a rock star or an actor. I just knew that in junior high, that was the moment when everybody else kind of let it go. And I did not. And I still have never let it go. When I left Los Angeles the first time in, in January of 2008, I had given up every bit of that, that notion. I moved back to Alabama to be a, a history professor. I was going to study history because I love history. Um, I was going to study history and just be a college at a community college or be a professor at a community college and teach history. But then I was working at the Disney store um, in college and someone who used to work at the Disney store came in uh, one day and we got to chatting and he, he asked me to audition for his play um, that he was doing, just a community play. And I was like, oh, I don't act anymore. Like, you know how it's like, well, like I was acting before, um, but I don't act anymore. I left the business. I've, I've retired from my thespian career. Um, but yeah, I did. I went out and auditioned and I got the part of the prince in Beauty and the Beast. And it was, and I was actually in a musical. And it's so fascinating because I used to sing for fun in the car in Los Angeles. Had my first boyfriend in Los Angeles and he told me I could not sing. And... He just, he did. He just like so haphazardly told me I couldn't sing. And that broke my spirit. I would never sing. But then I auditioned for this musical and then I got a part in the musical and that just opened me back up. It like, it was like a floodgate because that was summer of 2009. Yeah. Summer of 2009 when I was doing that play. And then it would, that just kind of hit the ball rolling of, um, I did that play and it kind of, I was like, started stirring again. I was like, I think I want to do something. I want to perform. I don't know that I'm ready to give it up like I was a year and a half ago. And then in February of 2010, a few months later, I met you. And that's a whole thing. <laughs> and we got together and I wasn't, and I, like, by that time, I had already decided I'm moving to New York. I've, been, I've done LA because I was going to move to New York instead of Los Angeles. When I moved here the first time in 2007, I was going to New York instead. Thank God I didn't because I would have never made it in New York at that age. Never would have done it. Definitely not. Um, but some I was friends with somebody, hanging out with this girl. Uh, met her at a drag show. Um, yeah, she convinced me to move to L.A. And so I, I did, picked L.A. But, I, but by that time, I was like, you know what? My instincts were telling me New York. And I went to L.A. and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, so I'm going to New York. I'm going to do it. And I met you and I wasn't going to date anybody because I was already like, I'm moving to New York. I should not get involved. There's no reason to get involved with people. And then you told me you were moving to New York. On your own. You were like, I'm moving to New York soon. Someday. Real soon. And I, so we started dating. And we wound up moving to New York together. And going there, you wanted to go there for acting. And I wanted to go there for... I knew I wanted to perform, but I just I could not form the words in my mouth. I want to be an actor. Because mm -hmm. I just didn't know. I didn't know what it was I was going to do. I knew there was something different. It wasn't acting. I'm using air quotes. Acting. It was something different. But I knew I was going there for it. I was going to perform somehow. And shortly after going to New York, you were like, Bye. I don't feel like being an actor anymore because this is not for me. I enjoy art, but I'm not. And you had this whole whirlwind where you fell into what you do now, which is skincare. Mm -hmm. You're a skincare professional. Um, and we have an episode coming up in uh, about a week or so where we're going to do a deep dive on that. So stay tuned for that because I could truly talk about skincare <laughs> for hours. But shortly after we got there, I, I fell into the improv world. Like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I did not ask for it. I did not solicit that whatsoever. It came to me as an opportunity, and I was in a space where I'm like, say yes to life. And I said yes, and Samantha Jones of Hudson Valley Improv, shout out to them. She introduced me, Samantha Jones, to a world that I am now home, home, home in the world of improv. And that's what I do now. And but yeah, I 
don't remember what your question was. <laughs> well, you could say you could say so, that that all started because there came a point where you realized you wanted to have this style, and when I say style, I mean the comedy style mm-hmm. of Lucy, but the life of Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, and and I, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet on either front, but I feel that very close. It's near. Um, but yeah. Where did you, when you were 18, when you looked forward to today, when you were this many years old, mm-hmm. where did you see yourself? You know, it's crazy because... I don't know how. I think it had something to do with the fact that I was reading The Da Vinci Code and I was also a Disneyland premium annual pass holder that the symbology of 33 became really fascinating and important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was, it was, specifically, I knew 33 was going to be a big important moment in my life. And it's crazy because here I am. I'm turning 33. This is this show. We're two days ahead, but this show is released on my 33rd birthday. And I thought for sure I would. I really thought I would be working on a television show by now. And that's not a disappointment to me at all. Because looking back, I know that if I'd gotten everything I wanted... I would not have been the person I am today right now. And I am so proud of that because I'm so grounded in joy. And I'm so grounded in the things that actually matter. So, yeah, I I thought I would be... I thought I would be um, and really what I wanted. I thought I would be a second banana. And that's not... A negative term. I wanted to be an Ethel Mertz. I wanted to be a Rhoda Morgan Stern. You know, I, and that's really what I really super would love to do to this day. I want to be the physical comedy humor person, which really Lucy was the bigger physical comedy and Ethel was the smart, wise ass cracking, you know, person who was a tag along. But, um, but yeah, I wanted to play second banana, and I still do. I think that is so... The Barney Fife. I'd love to be a Barney Fife. Oh my Fife. gosh, I could so see you. I would love to be a Barney Fife character. Andy? Um, Ange? Ange? <laughs> That's what he called him. Yeah. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I, I really... You know, because I don't, I don't think... And Lucy, she, in her career after I Love Lucy, she made a weird habit of being the second banana star. Yeah. Like, she did the physical comedy humor. She did the, you know, whatever. She let everybody around her be the straight man. And she was the one. And that's that's not sustainable. Not on today's television. That's a Lucy thing. That's not a that's not a formula that works thing. Right. Uh, in my opinion. So, yeah. That's what I want. I, I wanted to be a second banana. And maybe someday. But that's the thing. I've built a life outside of my career aspirations that I'm super, super proud of in so many ways that I'm glad that I I took this time not doing that to build myself to this person because I think after this quarantine is lifted, I've got energy and I've got vigor and I've got plans. So I'm excited. I'm excited to turn 33. This might be a challenge for you. We'll see. If you could tell your 18-year-old self one sentence, what would that sentence be? It's going to be hard to let go of what your family wishes you could be, but do it quicker. Well, there you go. Now, before we go, because a third of dinner is ready, the rest has to be cooked. (laughs) Um, Welcome to the life in the bunker. <laughs> let's pl- let's play a little quick game. I I really like this or that. Okay. Because yeah. I think it's like I don't know. I just feel like it's a really cute, quick way to kind of get to know somebody a little bit more. You know how the game works, right? I'll ask you like this or that, okay. and you tell me the one you prefer. Yeah. All right. There we go. Seems easy. Seems easy enough. 
Chocolate or peanut butter? Chocolate. Beach or lake? Beach. Tequila or vodka? Vodka. <laughs> that was quick. Jose Cuervo has not been a good friend to me. He's, Same. He's a weirdo and I don't like him. Uh, ice cream or frozen yogurt? Ice cream. Shower or bath? I think shower. Can I explain? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, I think I'm one of those people. I do. We know this about me. I romanticize things. Um, I think I'm one of those people who romanticizes a bath. They're never as fun as you think they're going to be. No. I don't <laughs> like baths at this point. It's like stewing in your own filth. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Even though I have two cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, which actually, I'll say this now because I, this is one of those like shame things. Don't say it because you're afraid of what people might think of you. Uh, two years ago, I decided I wanted a bird. I want to adopt a bird. I want a cockatiel. Um, so that's really where my focus is. Like, just kind of thinking about adopting a cockatiel. Because I got two cats. I know what you're thinking. Leave it alone. Um, but yeah. But dog. If I have to pick between cat and dog, I'll say dog. Sister Act 1 or Sister Act 2? Ooh, that's a hard one. I... I like, I'm going to say it, I like Sister Act 2. Because I do like Sister Act 1. But I like Sister Act 2. I've seen Sister Act 1 ten times. I've seen Sister Act 2 once. Really? Yeah, I truly don't know. I couldn't tell you anything that happens in that movie. Well, Whoopi Goldberg's daughter's in it. Lauren, Lauren, what's her name? Lauren, Lauren Hill. (laughs) Forgot her name. Uh, Lauren Hill stars in that movie, so. 90210 or Melrose Place? Oh, duh, 90210. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's another one of those shows that I love dearly, and I'm making you watch it right now, that people are like, why are you watching this show? Mind your business. Keep your eyes on the road. Salty or sweet? Sweet. I should have known. I will eat cake. I'll eat cake icing. Okay, so much so. When you give me a birthday cake or a wedding cake or whatever, you give me a slice of that, I will turn it sideways, turn the, turn the slice of cake sideways, like on its side, and I'll eat it from the bottom up so that I can save the icing for last. I'll eat birthday cake till I get the sugar sweats. And that's why we'll be having a donut tower for our wedding. I love it. So for my last one, this is actually more of a would you rather. Would you rather take... A three-day vacation to somewhere else, or a two-week vacation, but you're at your house. Oh my God, I've already done that. So a three-day vacation somewhere else. <laughs> I've done a month-long vacation in my home. I'm done with it. I'm ready to go outside. Well, I do believe, good sir, that that's all I have for you. I want to ask you a question real quick. Oh no. We talked a lot about television today, mm-hmm. um, and you really hadn't watched television no. so much before you met me. And we've been together for 10 years, so what of the shows that I've introduced you to would you say top top five favorites? Okay, that's going to be pretty easy. The number one that always comes into my head is Brothers and Sisters. Really? Yeah, that was just, and that was one of the first ones, so that maybe has something to do with it. That was one of the first shows that you made me watch, mm-hmm. but that was just good. Um... Let's see, what else? The sad thing about that Ooh. show is it derailed. It, like, derailed it? in season five real mm. hard. Like, it was the best te- television show I've ever seen. And then season five, I was like, what are you doing? You know what? That's not true, actually. I'm going to I'm going to recant that. Mm-hmm. That might be number two. Number one, for sure, Buffy. Really? For sure. I love that. Yeah, yes. Buffy's good. I want to watch that again soon. Um... This might be kind of random, but I, whenever I talk about it, I always say that it's some of the best TV I've ever seen. Um, People versus O.J. Simpson. Yeah, was that was so good. good. That was really good. Uh, let's You're see too young else. to remember that when it happened. Oh, yeah, for I real, don't right? no. I was in third grade when the verdict came down. I remember that. We watched it for whatever reason. Wow, well, it was murder, huge. Murder trial in third grade. In California. Oh, you mean the murder was in California? Yeah. I was like, I was in Bug Tussle. I went to Cold Springs Elementary School. I think Mad About You is going to be on there. Yeah, that was a I good really, one. really, really... It was just so touching. Mm-hmm. Oh, Will and Grace. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Not Friends, not Golden Girls. I, no. I didn't introduce you to Golden Girls. No, I had actually seen Golden Girls before you. I but... am going to settle an argument that is forever raging in the television universe mm-hmm. of classic television fans. I'm going to settle that with your decision. Okay. And that will be when, once we're finished with Designing Women, mm-hmm. we're going to start on two shows. Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. Yay! And you get to decide which magical show is better for you. Which? I'm pretty sure I already know. I was about to say, I know where it's going to be because every debate always lands on the same one. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say now. What do you think can, they land on? So I'm going to say my opinion of what I think mine is going to be. And I think this is probably the same one that everybody else says. And we can revisit this later once we've seen them both. I think it's going to be Bewitched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just something about Agnes Moorhead. Did you have fun? I did have fun today. I did have fun, but it's because it was you, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I know how to get you talking, and I know like what to ask you to get people. Because I think we came away from this with my goal achieved, which is to help people know you better. Oh. But nice. I know how to get people to know you better. That's the best birthday gift. Aw, I'm uh-huh. glad. <laughs> well, you have another birthday gift coming from Etsy in the mail. And, Etsy, and it's possible it'll get here on your birthday two days uh, from now. You, uh, you, you're giving hints. I had no idea what it was, and then you just told me where it's from. So. If you, I guarantee you, you would not in a in a thousand years guess what it is. Well, happy birthday to you. Oh, I'm glad that I could you. do this with you. Um, yeah, it's it's fun, nice to have had someone else host the show. You're gonna edit it too? Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't want me doing that. <laughs> Uh, I am going to Walmart tomorrow for groceries, so maybe I'll pick us up a couple of things to have a little bit of a celebration here at home. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, for whatever reason, if you were really into seeing pictures of skincare products and cats, um, you can follow me at Ethan H. Ham at Instagram. Uh, where can people follow you if they so desire? Well, I am on Twitter at Kyle L. Henderson. And I don't usually mention this, but there is also a... Uh, Twitter handle for the show called Not For Nothing Pod, and that is not the number four nothing pod. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at Kyle L. Henderson as well. And I would say that everyone should go to the Facebook page called Not For Nothing and join the conversation. Well, on that note, I think it's time for us to go. Say good night, Kyle. <laughs> good night, Kyle. <laughs>